a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. It is great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, opinion editor at the Deseret News. And as always, we got a lot of ground to cover on the fastest 60 minutes of radio as we attempt to actually slow things down, help you divide the rage from the reason, elevate the conversation, connect the dots, and help you make the news make sense. And uh, we have a fantastic show coming up for you today, so let's get right at it. Now you have heard of women's rights. And how we tried to reach new heights If we're all created equal That's us too All right. Any chance we get to use Schoolhouse Rock is a win. And, of course, in our celebration all year long uh, with women's suffrage and the 19th Amendment. And, of course, just last weekend uh, celebrating that first vote cast here in uh, Utah. Uh, 150 years ago, and uh, we had a just a, a last-minute opportunity, and I am so excited to welcome our first guest onto the program today, Kate Holbrook, uh, who is with the Church History Department of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and uh, she uh, has just incredible insight into uh, the women's suffrage movement, all of the things that happened out here, especially in the early West, and uh, Kate, thanks for joining us today. Oh, thanks for having me on the show. Well, this is a uh, this is a great thing. We've got a, a great event uh, coming up tonight, a uh, virtual event that we're going to talk about here, uh, 7 p.m. tonight. It's called uh, Going to Work uh, with uh, Emmeline B. Wells on the Road to Suffrage. Uh, it's going to be streamed on the Church History Museum's Facebook page. We'll have that on our Facebook page as well so everyone can find that. Uh, but this is a uh, a real momentous uh, period as we look at the women's suffrage movement and Emmeline B. Wells in particular. Uh, tell us a little bit about what's going on and uh, let us give us some insight into the event tonight. Yeah, well, so the Church History Library has published been publishing online annotated versions of Emmeline B. Wells' diaries. So uh, there are footnotes and introductions to help you make sense of the diary, understand what's going on, um, and then really enjoy the encounter with Emmeline Wells that you get in the diaries. And we saved these diaries um, that were from 1892 to 1896 to publish in August, which is that anniversary, a hundred years since the women all over the United States were able to exercise the right to vote, and 150 years since women in Utah 
were able to exercise the right to vote. Um, so because Emmeline Wells was such a great participant, a uh, great supporter of suffrage, both in Utah and on the national level, we wanted to save those years of her diaries to launch out in this August month of August. Uh, I, I love that, and uh, I think that is very fitting uh, for Emmeline B. Wells. Uh, of course, she was noted, as you said, uh, not only here in the region in the West, but uh, across the country. Uh, she was actually noted at one point in a national women's magazine, uh, and I, I loved how they described her. She's a royal enthusiast, <laughs> this royal enthusiast who has <laughs> devoted her life uh, to women's enfranchisement. Uh, tell us a little bit about that history and that connection, again, not just here to the West, but uh, to the national scene as well. Yes, well, she, um, Emmeline had a clear vision, and she wanted to elevate humanity in general all over the world, and she also wanted to elevate and celebrate women. And so suffrage was a clear way in her mind to accomplish both of those goals. So she was a real proponent of it. She was uh, friends with Susan B. Anthony, Elizabeth Cady Stanton. She frequently associated with them, exchanged letters with them. She would republish national suffrage articles in the Woman's Exponent, which was a local Latter-day Saint newspaper here, and then they would also talk about her in their national suffrage efforts. She was the president of the Utah Suffrage Association, uh, and and just, just a real eager, ardent proponent of women's suffrage. And again, for all women, um, this this wasn't a vision that was exclusive to Latter-day Saints for her. It was something she believed in for all women and all people. Oh, that's uh, that is so great. So as you as you look at these great diaries, this great uh, insight and and information, uh, she she really did become this national voice. She represented uh, the women of the West uh, to the rest of the country in the halls of Congress at uh, these big events you talked about. Uh, but that w- she wasn't always that uh, confident in that. She kind of went through her own learning process of of kind of gaining her own voice on these issues. Yes, well, and she was. You know, she she joined the church when she was 14 years old. She was still very young when she married for the first time, and she was abandoned by her young husband and married again, and then that husband died, and she married again. So that her her very early years are full of, I guess, risk-taking, upheaval, and um, vulnerability. Mm. And what she did with those experiences is become strong. You know, instead instead of staying in a place of of weakness, she used her experience to build on, and um, she, she took advantage of every opportunity that came her way. She educated herself, and she just chose to act from a place of strength. And what came out of that is that she developed into a very strong, very capable woman. I think one of the reasons she maintained these friendships with these luminary women of the East was that she was cultured. She was dignified. She, she was articulate. Um, and so they saw in her a kindred spirit. Uh, I, I think that's so uh, important. And I love the fact that you mentioned that she functioned from this position of strength rather than from a position of weakness, whether, rather than focusing on what she didn't have or didn't know or hadn't experienced yet. She always functions from this, uh, confidence, not arrogance, but this confidence that she had something to do, she had something to say, 
Uh, and uh, I love that description, uh, that she was this combination of brilliant, cultured, and brainy. Uh, and again, just this uh, great model. Uh, if you're just joining us, uh, we are so pleased to have Kate Holbrook uh, on the line with us this morning. She's the managing historian at the Church History Department for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Uh, we're talking about the uh, new release uh, of just some great uh, things in an event tonight uh, with the Church History Department uh, at 7 p.m. tonight, uh, going to work with a will, Emmeline Bean Wells and the Road to Suffrage. Uh, will be streamed on the Church History Museum's Facebook page. And uh, Kate, tell us just a little bit of the uh, experience she had in actually going back and making that connection uh, with Susan B. Anthony and some of those other uh, leaders from the East. You know, that's another place you can see her exercising Courage, because you, you, there was a lot. The, this was a time when people, including Emmeline Wells, were practicing plural marriage in Utah, um, and people were upset about that in the, rest of the country. <laughs> uh, they, they, they thought it was horrifying, and so for her to go as a participant in that, as a representative of this church, and and know the prejudices that people had, and ha- and introduce herself to them anyway, and say that you have preconceived notions of what that all means and what that all looks like, but I'm here to show you what it means, what it looks like in the form of me and my exercise of faith and, and, and my work. So I think that made that uh, require some extra courage. I did I did want to mention for listeners the, the two powerhouse women behind this project who've been working on the project for 18 years there are 47 volumes of diaries. This is a really labor-intensive commitment that they have undertaken. And for 18 years, Cherie Maxwell-Bench and Cherry Silver have been working on transcribing and annotating these diaries and doing all this research. No, nobody knows the minute contents of these diaries the way they do. The Church Historians Press just picked this up a few years ago. We said, you've done all this fantastic work. We would like to bring what we can to getting these diaries published online so that everybody can benefit from the work you've done. And the diaries will be a tremendous benefit to lay people, to interested readers, and also to scholars, anyone interested in suffrage history or women's religious history or Latter-day Saint history or Utah history. These these journals, they're you know, you go in and you see the entry for this date. If you're interested in any particular date, you can go there and you can see what did Emmeline Wells have to say about this because wow. she kept really careful, wonderful, opinionated, lively, unedited <laughs> uh, <laughs> diaries that are a joy to spend time with. Oh, that is, uh, it's so exciting. And I'm going to, Kate, I'm going to make you promise to come back because uh, I want to continue this conversation. And I especially appreciate you calling out uh, those who, who did some of the hard work and heavy lifting uh, for many years to make it happen. That is a, a great sign of leadership. I think that's something that uh, Emmeline B. Wells did very well also uh, in highlighting those around her who were doing a lot of that hard work and, and heavy lifting. Uh, just uh, 30 seconds before we got to wrap up and uh, just give us one thing that maybe surprised you as you've gone through uh, or a key learning for you uh, as you've gone through these diaries, this great insight. The, well, you know, one thing that, well, I'll just, I'll talk about one moment. The, the diaries are full of these moments where you think, wow, imagine if that had happened. So that one such moment is when they were laying the capstone of the Salt Lake City Temple in April 1893, because Emmeline Wells was a reporter 
for the ex- woman's exponent, she was in the press box sitting near the first presidency at this really crowded gathering, watching that happen right next to the first presidency. In fact, her husband, who died two years earlier, had been a member of the first presidency. So thinking about that way that ordinary church members, although she was extraordinary, but also ordinary church members had a lot more interaction with um, high church leaders. That's a fun thing to to yeah. watch and experience when you read the diaries. Oh, that is fantastic. Love that. And we are going to have you back as we continue to focus on women's suffrage as we go through August and into the fall. Of course, the statue of Martha Hughes Cannon will, is making its way to Washington, D.C. Well, it will take its rightful place uh, in Statuary Hall as well. Uh Kate Holbrook, so appreciate you joining us last minute today. Great, great insight. Again, you can go to the uh, Church History website or to the Facebook page. Streaming event starts at 7 p.m. tonight. Check out those diaries. Uh, It is just a treasure trove of learning for all of us. Kate, thanks again for joining us. Thank you. Great to talk with you. All right, we'll go ahead and step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back... My good friend Rick Raditz is going to join us. We're going to talk about political harmony and why it is inevitable. Find out why next. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.